Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by MD Advantage Insurance Company. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Here when you need us most. Now and always. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Choose New Jersey. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Fedway Associates, Inc. Wells Fargo. The Russell Berry Foundation. Making a difference. And by Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Promotional support provided by Meadowlands Chamber, building connections, driving business growth. And by NJ.com, keeping communities informed and connected. Welcome to Think Tank. I'm Steve Adubato with our executive producer and co-anchor, Nicole Swinerton. Nicole, how are we doing today? We're doing pretty great. How about you? Doing great. By the way, you can catch us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Monday evening at 10 on News 12 Plus. And here's the thing. This particular program you're about to see, powerful, compelling, all about organ and tissue donation, particularly in the age of COVID. Uh, Nicole, tell everyone who was on this show because it really makes a difference. Absolutely. So we are joined by Bill Ryan, who's the head of the Transplant Life Foundation. Denise Peoples is a double lung recipient, and she also is the Hospital and Community Services Coordinator at the New Jersey Sharing Network. And then her colleague, Sharon Sawzak, who's the Director of Clinical Practice and Innovation at the New Jersey Sharing Network. And by the way, we're partners and colleagues with the New Jersey Sharing Network promoting, well, they promote, we provide public awareness around organ and tissue donation. But one, one of the things you're going to see in this program that really struck me. I've been doing this for a long time. And um, I have a feeling this moment is something I'm not gonna forget anytime soon. Denise Peoples, double lung transplant, excuse me, double lung, double lung recipient, I'll get that out. We were talking about the transplant games, which are gonna be in July of 2021. And they're involved, these are national games, they're a big deal. And I said, Denise, so you're involved. She goes, yeah, I'm involved. Tell everyone what she's gonna do. She will be singing the national anthem at the transplant games. And I have to say as a lung recipient, that is pretty incredible. And she, she gets a little emotional about it. Double lung recipient. It is extraordinary. Um, and it's so important. And the, the sharing network often talks about the gift of life, you know, um, and that's what it is. And so this entire program is dedicated to helping you understand why it's more important than ever before particularly in the age of COVID. Real quick, COVID, real quick, our funders are? We would love to thank MD Advantage, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, the RWJ Foundation, and Meadowlands Chamber of Commerce. It is the gift of life. It's um, an important, powerful program that looks at organ and tissue donation in the age of COVID. Um, I want you to check out not only what Denise Peoples has to say, but also Bill Ryan and, and, and Sharon Sawchuck, right? Sawsack. Sawsack. I apologize. That the other reason Nicole is here is to correct my mistakes. Um, thank you, Nicole. Thank you to our entire team behind the scenes at Think Tank. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Nicole, and this is Think Tank. 
To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. Today we're going to have an important, compelling, very relevant conversation about organ and tissue donation as we tape this program in the spring of 2021. We're honored to be joined by Bill Ryan, president and CEO of the hey, Transplant Steve. Life Foundation. Good to see you, Bill. Thank and you. also a longtime friend of ours, Denise Peoples, is in fact a double lung recipient and hospital and community services coordinator at the New Jersey Sharing Network, our longtime partners in organ and tissue donation. They're doing the work every day. And her colleague, Sharon Sozak, registered nurse, is director of clinical practice and innovation at the Sharing Network. Good to see all of you. Good to see you. You know, people who know us know that we've been committed to organ and tissue donation for many, many years. So the website will be up for the Sharing Net Network to find out more. But Bill, let me ask you, as we tape this program, what is the state, if you will, of organ and tissue donation 14 months moving forward plus into COVID? Well, you know, COVID certainly has put a whole new twist to, to the life of a transplant recipient or those waiting for a transplant. I think uh, the mission still continues. We still have uh, 110,000 people plus uh, waiting for an organ. 20 of them die approximately every day uh, waiting for an organ. So so we are we're moving forward or slowly getting back to normal, but uh, the mission still is alive. Denise, let me ask you this. Uh, um, I, a very close friend of ours just received a double lung transplant, and we're very close to her and know that the struggle she has faced for many, many years. Just talking to her the other day, a week in, you hear it, you see it, you sense it. But for you, how long has it been, by the way? Uh, 14 and a half years. Send a message to folks right now, as we tape at the end of April 2021, a, who are waiting for whatever they're waiting for, whatever organ, and those who have not committed to being organ donors for whatever reason or reasons. Please send that message out. Those who are waiting, uh, Steve, I would tell them to just hold on. Just really hold on. You learn so much about yourself while you're waiting. And don't give up hope. Try to keep... Um, a positive attitude as much as possible. Um, and just just really hold on, just hold on. Um, think about what you're gonna do, you know, after you get this amazing gift. Think about how you're gonna give back and those type of things. Try to keep a positive attitude. To those who are on the fence, don't really fully understand and know what uh, the effects can be if you become an organ and tissue donor, if you register, um, get the information. That's, that's major. Get information yeah. and realize that there's no greater gift. There's nothing you can give a person that can supersede giving them the gift of life. Um, so right. get as much information as you possibly can. And by the way, that's why the website for the Sharing Network is up. Sharon, let me ask you this whole range of challenges that different organizations face, but for the Sharing Network, what has been the top two or three challenges? I'd say the first was our biggest concern was keeping our staff safe um, and healthy throughout the entire pandemic, um, especially in the beginning when we didn't really know what we were dealing with. Um, they never stopped. They continued 
to go to hospitals and see potential donors and work with our donor families. Never stop the mission of organ donation. Um, so it was tough. They were in the hospitals surrounded by patients on ventilators with COVID. Um, that was our number one uh, biggest concern was to keep them safe. Well, how about this? Uh, in spite of that and a whole range of other challenges, and we've talked to Joe Roth and, and Elise Kleinman about this at the Sharing Network, but is it not a fact that 2020 New Jersey set a record for organ donation sharing? That is a fact. Why do you think yeah. that is? You know, in the early times of uh, working with our donor families during COVID, I think there was just such an unsureness about what was gonna happen. And I felt a stronger want to give at that time by families. I think they were looking for something positive because it was so unknown. Um, so we did you know, maintain a very good authorization during that time frame, uh, but we never stopped. We, we did everything that we could. We made sure every donor opportunity that we had, we were gonna maximize that and help as many people as possible. Um, you know, we just, we pivoted, you know, we had to make a lot of changes, but we never stopped the mission. And I think because we stayed strong through the entire process, that's why we wound up having a successful year. But let me try this. I'm going to talk to you about the transplant games in just a second, which is an important national initiative, but, but vaccine hesitancy, huge issue for all of us, for the entire nation for the entire state of New Jersey, but also is, is it different in the transplant community bill vaccine hesitation? Yeah, I think so, because of the uh, immune uh, situation that most recipients have to go through. I think there's a, there's not a solid answer right now today. I think most uh, transplant physicians are encouraging their patients to get the vaccine, but there's some hesitancy with uh, the concerns that they have uh, with their uh, immune suppressed system. So um, we're, we're pushing them hard, and I think most of them are most of them are getting vaccinated. And one of them is smiling right now. Yeah, you you made the decision, didn't you, Denise? Yes, I did. Please I talk did. about it. it. It's definitely an uncertainty. Um, there were no recipients in the trials, um, and it was an uncertainty. But Steve, there was an uncertainty 14 and a half years ago. Would I come out of this surgery? Would I wake up? Would I live 14 more years? Life is an uncertainty. And it definitely, to me, it outweighs, you know, what could be. So yes, I am vaccinated um, and I would, you know, I'm, I can't tell people what to do, but I want you to think about it. Really, really think about what we have seen, the, the deaths that we have seen and just make a decision. Education is key. Hmm. Listen, um, we're not in the business of advocating, but we are in the business of informing and educating and we really do encourage people to find out what they need to find out. But listening to you, Denise, right now, and to Bill as well, get the information, you know, from legitimate sources. Bill, let me go back to the transplant claims. We were, we were so ready, along with so many others, to be out there covering the games, talking about it. 
What are the transplant games, number one? Number two, what does it have to do with the New Jersey sharing network? network? And number three, what are they going to look like this summer? All right. Well, that's a that's a tall task, but uh, the games are celebrating their 31st year right now, and uh, we we had awarded the games to the New Jersey, New York area back in 2020, expecting uh, 12 to 15 thousand people, you know, would be there to celebrate the gift of life and to encourage others to join the donor registry. Uh, COVID got in the way, um, and the games got delayed and postponed, and uh, we're now calling it the reimagined 2020 games, which is like a, the reimagined, reimagined 20, 2020. We're still going with that. Yeah, yeah, it's the name. Of the The 2020 games are still okay. on. We're doing them July uh, in July of 2021, the 16th through the 19th. Uh, we're hosting them at American Dream, and the games are different. The, the games are going to be a celebration around the country because uh, most people are not traveling in for the games. So uh, we we broke it down. We broke it down from six days to four. We're doing 12 uh, competitions instead of 20. Uh, seven of those competitions are in market. So in people's hometowns, they're competing for gold gold medals uh, in those competitions. And we're doing the special events uh, out of American Dream. Some of them are pre-produced, uh, but we are, we're taking the message to the audience and it's, a, it's around the world. We think we're hitting more people because we're doing a hybrid event than we would have if we were doing them physically in New Jersey. And by the way, we will be wherever we need to be, remotely and or in person, to bring that story to folks because it's a compelling, important story. By the way, Denise and Sharon, both involved in the Transplant Games, right? That's uh, Sharon, talk to, you about, talk to about us about your involvement. So I attended the prior Transplant Games as Lady Liberty. And my plan is to make a reappearance. Oh, hold on, back up, back up, back up. You're yeah. not just getting past that. Day. Which games and where were they first? Uh, in Utah, Salt Lake City. So you went to Salt Lake City, Utah as? Lady Liberty. Lady, well, could you, we're obviously in post-production. You know we're going to get a picture and show it. So you might as well just tell us. So our local team that participates in the games is um, Team Liberty. And it's tri-state area, so New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, and their mascot is Lady Liberty. And they asked if I would attend the games and be there as Lady Liberty to cheer the team on, and I did, and it was awesome. And uh, I plan to make a reappearance for the 2020 games. You're going to do it, aren't you? Oh, yeah. For Team Liberty. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, Denise, hold on, Denise. Are you going to be Denise Peoples or, or are you going to be someone else? No, I'm going to be Denise Peoples. I think I know her. <laughs> that, well. That's enough. That's it. Yes, that's enough. Exactly. That's a lot. <laughs> What's it going to be like for you, Denise? I am going to sing the national anthem. And I am, you can see on my face, I'm like losing it. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. what's it like for you, uh, 14 and a half years later, you're going to sing the national anthem at the reimagined transplant games. What's it going to be like, you think? It was something I could not ever um, imagine when I did it for. Uh, the New Jersey Sharing Network's 5Ks. 
Um, and I just think that this is just going to be something over the top because my donor, it's my donor thing. So, yeah, I, I you know, um, usually I know what the follow-up is. I don't know what it is right now. Um, hey, Bill, reason was we listened to Denise and see the reaction, obviously, and her friend and colleague, Sharon. Reason to be hopeful in this incredibly difficult time as you listen to uh, Denise? Absolutely. You know, we we, li we live in tough times, but I, when Denise was telling her story earlier and you were asking the question about the vaccines, the thing that struck me was uh, the thousands of recipients that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. They are the bravest people I know. Uh, so so I'm not surprised that Denise got vac vaccinated and I'm not surprised she's encouraging others to, to be brave as well. I mean, what these recipients go through is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, so I'm honored to be, you know, a part of a part of that organization and, and the community of people. So uh, let's do this. Um, first of all, I can't thank all of you enough for joining us. And we're looking forward to being a part of the games and continuing to help create greater public awareness around organ and tissue donation. And thank you to the Sherry Network. Thank you to the Transplant Life Foundation. But also, how about this? You remember this uh, uh, team that back in January, I moderated a webcast, the COVID-19 vaccine and transplant community webcast. Remember that we did that? We had, we had so many people that were a part of it from all over the country. And this is a, an excerpt. It's about a, a nine or 10 minute excerpt from some of the people who joined us. And it adds to the conversation we just had. So to Bill, Denise and Sharon, I cannot thank you enough. And um, the gift of life. There's nothing more to say than that. And by the way, we're getting video not only of Lady Liberty, but no disrespect, Lady Liberty. Um, we're really going to be excited about the national anthem. Both, but you know. Absolutely. Can't wait to see her <laughs> belt it out. Thanks, folks. Thank we're you, Steve. The, you. What's that, Bill? Yeah. I said we love you. Thank you. Yeah, well, absolutely. Right after this break, you'll see that clip. Stay with us. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at steveadubato. Are you looking to be a part of a dynamic, forward-thinking business service organization? At the Meadowlands Chamber, every day we connect, collaborate, and innovate, helping to drive business and economic growth in the greater Meadowlands and New Jersey. I invite you to visit our Meadowlands Chamber headquarters, an open office facility with access to resources for our members' businesses and networking needs. Together, we will build the Chamber of the Future and the next generation of leaders. This past year has taught us about res resiliency, what we don't know, the need to innovate, um, also the importance of science, trusting science. So today's discussion 
intended to inform and enlighten you, engage you. We're going to hear from important panelists who come to this very important issue of the COVID vaccine and its impact on the transplant community from very different perspectives. Basically, uh, when it comes to vaccinating uh, folks with COVID or to prevent COVID, like everything else in medicine that we do, a lot of it boils down to weighing the risks and benefits. Um, do the benefits outweigh the risks? And it's often a difficult decision to arrive at. And uh, you'll hear a lot from our other panelists about a lot of the data that we've uh, obtained about the benefits of uh, COVID vaccination, the efficacy of the vaccines, and I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about the risks uh, of not getting uh, the COVID vaccine or the risk that COVID itself poses to transplant patients. So these are two important types of risk that I think uh, weigh into our equation for figuring out whether or not uh, vaccination makes sense. So if we could go to the next slide. Uh, being here in New York at Northwell Health, we uh, were in the eye of the storm, so to speak, when the pandemic really uh, uh, began uh, in March. Uh, and so we already started to see the impact of COVID in our transplant population, specifically in uh, our heart, trans heart transplant program. Uh, we were a relatively new program, having only started in February of 2018. And uh, we started to see a few of our patients uh, come down with COVID and noted that, um, as, I, as we shared here in this publication, that uh, COVID seemed to have a more severe impact, at least on our heart transplant patients, than we did uh, observe in non-transplant patients. So again, it's only a two-month period, over 10,000 patients. And as, as far as Northwell Health, that's that comprises the, probably one of the largest experience of COVID uh, patient care in the United States, especially at that time. So uh, of these 10,000 patients that were hospitalized with COVID-19, of those about nearly 100 of them were solid organ transplant recipients. And what we did to try to really tease out what impact being a transplant patient has uh, as it relates to COVID we did some very uh, sophisticated statistical analyses where we actually found matched patients in that cohort. So by matched, I mean, we tried to find a group of patients that aside from not being transplant patients, they were very, very similar to those 82 patients by way of age, other illnesses and things like that. And so that got us to about 1600 patients. And what we did is compare the outcomes of those two groups. If we can go click one more time, and what really was the startling conclusion, the take-home message, was that being a transplant patient uh, uniquely uh, put people at risk, meaning they were more than 30% more likely to die or require being pl placed on a ventilator uh, because of COVID illness than non-transplant patients. So this was a very, for us, for us in the medical community, a very striking finding. And the conclusion there is that while there is, we don't really know as much as we'd love to know about the risk of the vaccine on transplant patients, we do know that being a transplant patient poses a significant risk to getting a more severe form of the COVID-19 illness. And because of that fact, we believe that the benefit greatly outweighs the, what potential risk there might be uh, with the vaccine. And, as a medical community, as a surgeon who does transplants, 
uh, I advocate very, very strongly for, for patients uh, getting the vaccination if you've had a transplant or if you're going to get a transplant in the near future. These are the additional effects that we have felt as a transplant community. I mean, there's everything that's been going on globally, but specifically for us, um, some of the big ones have been loss of independence because we're spending time back inside. A lot of us have had to quarantine before. Um, people have lost insurance, which is obviously a huge part of being a transplant patient. Um, mental health, I personally have dealt with more depression during this time, um, partly because I feel like, you know, I'm wasting the extra time. Um, missed work, might have lost your job, uh, missed experiences, you know, canceling travel, unable to see your family. That's partly why you got a transplant, right? Um, and then just being left behind. I've noticed there's a lot more societal ableism. Um, you know, right now there's a discussion in California about the new vaccine rollout and how it doesn't include high-risk patients. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that and having to combat it in addition to staying safe. So our common concerns, um, these are things that I've sort of brought together uh, from different patients and from the internet. Um, the first one, the vaccine is brand new. Um, so that's not totally true. We do know that mRNA has been around for quite a long time. And, you know, there was so much effort put into this one. It was, it's different than the typical FDA review process. The second one is it will give me COVID. Fortunately, this is not a live vaccine. I know we're not allowed to take live vaccines. Um, and so if people are testing positive after they're getting the injection, that's because they were exposed beforehand. Uh, three, it wasn't studied in transplant patients. Well, that's true. We weren't included in those clinical trials. However, um, as Dr. Lima mentioned, there have been studies outside of this um, that essentially show that you know similar vaccines don't have any additional risk for transplant patients. Um, obviously, we don't know. We haven't you know tested this over time. Um, but the fact that transplant patients weren't specifically studied does not preclude us from being eligible. Uh, number four, it won't last. There is discussion, you know, is it only six months? Is it only eight months? You know, why risk it if it's only a few months? Um, my personal answer to that is I would rather still be alive than and get another shot in six months. That's how I feel. Um, five, this is the biggest one I've seen across the board, uh, is concern that it could cause rejection. Could it stimulate the T cells? And I'm I'm going to leave that question, um, you know, up to the medical professionals in the room. Um, but essentially, you know, the the opinion is that it shouldn't cause any additional risk. Obviously, they can't say it's not going to do anything. Um, personally, again, you know, none of us like to experience rejection. I totally get that. Um, but also, you know, given the great risk of COVID, the great risk of debilitating illness, um, you know, you have to weigh it personally. Um, and then six, not all teams say yes. I think uh, Dr. Lima just addressed this, but previously we'd been seeing, you know, some centers were saying, get it as soon as it's available. Others said, you know, it's too soon. There's a difference between some places saying, you know, oh, take it immediately after transplant or wait a year. Um, so there is difference in opinion here, but as Dr. Lima mentioned, across the board, um, it is definitely recommended. Um, so. What I recommend is obviously talk to your transplant team. Uh, talk to your transplant infectious disease team if you have one. Um, really jealous of, of the people who do, but fortunately, I like my infectious disease doctor. Um, talk to your primary care provider. You know, sometimes we forget that we have one because our team is the one that handles everything. Um, but it's good to check in with them too. And then, of course, you know, uh, go to COVID19transplantresource.org, the people who are hosting this. Um, and then myast.org also has the most recent guidance um, from the medical community. 
and then talk to other transplant patients. There's a lot of misinformation going on online. I'm not saying you should get into any arguments, but I'm hoping that you know teachings like these will help people understand that this is a good idea. It is through the support of the Sharing Network in New Jersey that we in our public broadcasting production company are able to do uh, public education and awareness programming around um, organ and tissue donation. And now more than ever before, programming around COVID-19, the vaccines and its impact on the transplant community. So I look forward to those ongoing programs. It has been my honor to be a part of this most important webinar to everyone behind the scenes to Sue and Mary and John and Scarlin and everyone else who's been a part of this. Thank you for making it happen. It has been my honor to uh, moderate this and learn from it along with you. Most importantly, stay safe, be well, and let's stick together. I'm Steve Adubato. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by MD Advantage Insurance Company, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, Choose New Jersey, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Fedway Associates, Inc., Wells Fargo, the Russell Berry Foundation, and by Seton Hall University. Promotional support provided by Meadowlands Chamber and by NJ.com. Are you looking to be a part of a dynamic, forward-thinking business service organization? At the Meadowlands Chamber, every day we connect, collaborate, and innovate, helping to drive business and economic growth in the greater Meadowlands and New Jersey. I invite you to visit our Meadowlands Chamber headquarters, an open office facility with access to resources for our members, businesses, and networking needs. Together we will build the Chamber of the Future and the next generation of leaders.